Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Now, did all the kids catch it that we had dismissal there that was on the screen, but we didn't say anything? And they just went out, but if you need to go, they're just now leaving. Everybody good? Some of the adults may want to get up and leave right now. This would be, this would be your chance, but I hope everybody made it there. We worked that out. Now, I wasn't here last weekend. You probably didn't notice that I wasn't here because when I'm gone, nobody notices. But I was gone, and I was at my daughter, Collins, uh, five-year-old granddaughter, Collins Dance Recital in Birmingham. And you can't get to Birmingham early on Sunday afternoon after you preach. I've learned that from here. So uh, we went up for the weekend. We had a great time. You probably saw it on the news. Uh, it was big. It was big news. It was at Samford University, big recital, and we lived through it. We lived to tell about it. We made through, through all the dancing, all the dancing, all the many, the many different ages that danced, and the different songs, and and the whole afternoon that lasted a recital was just over and over and over again. We, we were there, and I slept, and I woke up, and it was still going, and it was. <laughs> Let me just say how glad I am to be here today with you, right? But I was awake for Collins' one number. I was there for that. I was all over that. Unfortunately, that was early in the program. <laughs> and we were locked in. They wouldn't let us leave, I mean, at gunpoint. So there I was uh, anyway. But happy Mother's Day. I hope you have a great Mother's Day. I called my mother this morning, wished her happy Mother's Day. We sent her a gift. I, I told Laura, happy Mother's Day. I got her a card. I got her flowers. Uh, you can check with her. She has proof. She'll show it to you. And then we texted Elizabeth, our daughter, to tell her happy Mother's Day. And then the girls texted Laura this morning and told her happy Mother's Day. So we've, we've covered Mother's Day at our house. We did all the right things. And, uh, and I'm, I'm happy that we took care of that. So... Make sure that you do that if you haven't done that already. If your mom's still living, if she's not, spend this day remembering her. Now, years ago, I told you I went to Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And, and after my third year, my junior year there, I felt called to go into the ministry. And so <clears throat> I had the opportunity to move to Niceville, Florida work in a church there, and they confirmed my call. Well, then I had to go back and finish college because I hadn't finished. I got a scholarship to Huntington College in Montgomery, and I went to Huntington, and, uh, and I worked in a church there in Montgomery. And uh, Laura and I got married while I was there. We had a great time and uh, went on to graduate school. Well, when I was there, the first year I got back, I was so nervous because I had not been in school, and I really wanted to make good grades. I really wanted to do well. I'll never forget the first test I took at Huntington. It's a small school. There were about 700 students at the time, so you knew everybody. And I sat in the back and cut up, you know, a lot. Imagine that, me talking in the back with all these girls back there because, you know, this time I was not dating Laura, and you never know. You never know when a blind hog's going to find an acorn. So I was back there. <laughs> I was back there trying to impress these girls. I was failing miserably, but I was, I was working. I, you know, I wore deodorant. I put my clothes on. I tried, you know, I combed my hair. So anyway, uh, we get the grades back, and the professor gives them back in order. And so he, so he writes on the board, he says, okay, we had two A's and this many B's, this many C's, D's, and F's. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I made the one F, I'm sure. And he's going to give them back in order. So that meant that he would say, okay, if you got an A, and he would call your name, and he would hand it to you. If you got a B, he would do that. If you got a C, he would do that. When he got down to the D's and F's, he would just take them and shove them all on the floor, all toward the back, and you had to get up and go pick yours up. And 
I knew that I was going to have to make a, a little appearance there at the end. I was just so worried. And so they announced the, the grades, two A's, right? The first person to get an A was Sarah Small. Sarah Small sat right on the front row. She was a Breck girl. She was a senior. She was about to get married. And everybody in the room said, yeah, big surprise. Sarah Small got an A. It wasn't until years later when I got here to Woodlawn. I'd known Bill Small. Years later, we're talking about it. I figured out that's Bill's sister, Sarah. Can you believe that? Yeah, she got the brains. I know what you're thinking. <clears throat> but, you know, you know, Bill can't have everything. I mean, he's a renaissance man. He's got a big truck. Plus, he does all the singing and all the music. And, you know, it's really disgusting how talented he is. And so, you know, but Sarah's the smart one, okay? Just saying. And he would agree with that. All right. So Sarah gets her A, and everybody goes, yeah, 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 big surprise. And then he goes, the second A goes to Joe Lay. And, yeah. And, and it's a blue book, and you can't cheat. I mean, you had to write, you know, a whole blue book full of stuff. It's philosophy. And, and all those girls sitting around me had a stroke. They just could not believe that I made the other A in the class. And so I'm working hard. I'm, I'm working. I'm going to school. I'm trying to make good grades. And so it gets close to Christmas. Now, at Middle Tennessee, I would go check my mailbox at the school because I needed to check on the spider and make sure he was fed because he would be spinning a web in my mailbox because I never got mail. Well, at Huntingdon, it's such a small school, everybody knows you. And so they started giving me mail. I was like, what's this in my box? Did they make a mistake? And I opened it up, and all these people are sending me Christmas cards. And they're saying, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And I'm going, well, that's so nice. I can't. And it was to me, it was, it was not a mistake. It was actually mine. Because I would have taken somebody else's and just acted like it was mine. You know, look what I got. Don't look too close. Okay. So anyway, <clears throat> I'm reading them and I'm thinking to myself, I need to do that. I need to go and buy Christmas cards and I need to address them and I need to send them to my friends who sent them to me and I need to take care of that. And, but, but I was working and I was, work, I was going through finals and everything. And I said, well, let me, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, let me just get through finals because I want to make good grades and I want to do well. And so I did. I went through finals and I finally got through and I was so worn out. I hadn't been in school for a while. I wanted to make good grades and I was working and busy. And, you know, the church is so busy at Christmas and I was working at the church. And so then I said, okay, now I'm going to go buy Christmas cards. And it dawned on me, they'd all gone home. It was Christmas break. There was nobody there. I could put it in their box, but, but there was nobody there to see it or to get it. I don't even know if anybody was working in the post office at this point. They're, everything's shutting down. And I thought, I had, this, I had this amount of time, and I had something I wanted to do, and I didn't do it. And I can't get it back. I can't go back and take care of it now. It's been a few years, okay? And, but they're not bitter. They've moved on. They're okay. But, you know, I didn't do it. Have you ever had an experience like that where you didn't take advantage of the opportunity that you had to do something? Well, we're talking about the time of our life, and we're talking about using our time wisely, and we're talking about making God our number one priority. Because when we make God our number one priority in life, then the Bible says everything else just falls into place. If we give God first place, then every other relationship, every other responsibility, every other action that we take, it'll all fall together. It'll fall into place. 
Last week we said that we have limited time, a certain number of days, you know? And so if you know you've got limited time and you've only got a certain number of days, you better take care of it now while you can, right? Because, you know, you may not be here tomorrow. So leverage the time that you have because there's a purpose out there for which we live. Now, I thought it'd be fun to illustrate that today, and so I'm going to share it with you. Let's look together at jar number one. In this illustration in jar number one, we're going to represent our allotment of time, the day, the week, the year, and the lifetime. Now, the small pebbles that we put in the, in the jar, those represent all the cool, fun things that we do. They're not things we have to do. We could skip them, but we don't want to skip them. We want to do them, and so, but they're not all that important. Now, this is where we would put all those pebbles there. That would be Facebook, shopping online, driving through car lots to look at cars that you can't afford, <laughs> driving through neighborhoods to look at houses that you can't afford. Staying out late with friends, that extra round of golf that we play, all the television that we watch, all the internet that we surf, that just represents the stuff that fills up our lives and time. Things we don't want to give up, but we admit they're not that important, but we like them. And then we have some big rocks in our lives, right? And we add those big rocks in. You know, if you've got children, those are big rocks. Those are priorities, right? Your spouse, work. Your school, all those are big, important rocks that we want to put in there. Your church rock, your spiritual rock, your community group, your small group Bible study, your exercise rock. Laura and I went to sequence yesterday and worked out. Your leisure time rock. All those rocks are the ones that you put in because you've only got so much time in your day. But then you go back and you realize, you know, I don't have enough room to get everything in. You look back over your life and you say, the kids, they're grown up and I miss too many ball games and I miss too many meals, two dinner meals at home. And so what we do is we try to add things to an already busy life instead of prioritizing correctly. Now, it's not just simply adding that's going to make it all fit and work. We've got to make it a priority. We've got to do the right thing. And here's the principle that we're saying. Priority determines capacity. If we make the right priorities, then all the other things we try to accomplish and put in our jar will fit in there. So let's take the jar and a second jar. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to put in the big rocks first this time. And so here goes Facebook and golf and internet and, and hanging out and shopping and car browsing because we're putting in the, the big rocks first. It's not critical, but it, you don't want to give it up. So it, it's what you've done. Those are the, the pebbles that we put in with it. Now, here's what I don't want us to miss. Priority determines capacity. So when we put the big rocks in first, then all those pebbles fit in there, and we've got room left over after that. The priorities of our lives determine what's important with whatever time we've got, a day, a month, a week, our whole lives. Now, that's not new information. Why don't we live this way, though? Why don't we prioritize co correctly? Why don't we put the big rocks in first? Now, here's a question that maybe you've never asked or answered. What are the big rocks in my life? 
what's really the most important thing to me? What are the non-negotiables where I won't compromise? Along with the question of what's the most important, who is the most important in your life? If you're married, your spouse is certainly important. If you've got children, the same thing. But here's what we see. In our busy lives, busyness destroys intimacy. So if we're busy, we don't really have time for the relationships that are important to us. And here's what happens. We start to economize on our relationships because we don't prioritize. You see, if we prioritize and put the big rocks in first, then we've got time in our relationships and we don't have to cheat them. But chances are there's not enough room to cram everything into our day unless we prioritize properly. And the culture is all about stuff because the culture will lead us away from our priorities. And it will say all the stuff, that's what's important. So if you don't take care of things then at your end of your high school career or your college career or a few years into your marriage or 15 or 20 years into your marriage, the first 15 or 20 years into your career, you'll look back and you say, I wish that I could recapture some of that time. I wish I had done things differently. I wish I had prioritized differently because I couldn't fit everything in. And unfortunately, I put the wrong things in first and I wasn't able to put all the important things in. And we look back and we wish that we had done it better. What's most important to us? Who's most important to us? What would we like in our day, in our week, in our month, in our year? How would we like to change things? Now for Christians who believe in God, who are following him, there's another huge component. In the Old and New Testaments, we're told about God and we put him in. He's the first rock in the jar. He is the priority. And the promise is if God goes in first, everything else will fit. Have you ever thought about the term God as a rock? Did you know that both Moses and King David referred to God as a rock? In Psalm 1831, it says, for who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? And so what we want to do, we're talking about prioritizing, but here's the interesting thing. In the scriptures, when you look in scriptures, you won't find the word priority in scripture. It doesn't use that word. It uses a different word. Do you know what that word is? It's seek. All through scripture, you see God is teaching us to seek. Prioritize your life. Seek. He says, seek earnestly. Seek First, make that number one. The psalmist says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. He says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. He's talking about making that a priority. In Proverbs, it says, evildoers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. So what we're saying to God is, God, I want to know your will, and I want to do your will. And when I know it, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to take care of it right now because I don't want to miss it. I want to make sure that it's done. 
Our daughter, Catherine, we, we have a car that we bought for her, and it's in her name and our name to help her get good credit. And so I still get the little sticker for her tag here. And so I bought stickers for all of our cars because that's what dads do. And I got them, and I put them on. Well, she comes over from Pensacola, and I said, here's your sticker. Go put it on your car. Did she? Nay, nay. She, she failed to get it on there. And then she put it in the car with the registration and stuff. And then, then she calls me this week and she says, hey, I just noticed that the sticker on my car ran out in February because my birthday's in February. And I said, well, I gave you a sticker for that car. I distinctly remember it because I paid for it, okay? And so you need to find it. Otherwise, you're going to be driving back over here, and you're going to be going with me, and this time you get to pony up for the new sticker. Well, sure enough, it was right there where she had put it, meaning to put it on the car, and it was in the, the uh, console, and she found it, thank God. And she, what did she do? Immediately lost it again. No, she went out. She went out and she put it on her car right then as she had been instructed to do. But I'm not bitter. All right. So let's move on. So it says seek first. Where does it say seek first? It says it in the Sermon on the Mount. If you ever go to Israel, you know, we went to the north part of the Sea of Galilee. And you're in these rolling hills and you look down at the lake. It's a lake. And you're looking down. And they've got kind of this church there to commemorate what happened there. But, but they just took us off with our tour group. They just took us on the hillside. It was so cool. And it was like being there with Jesus. And they read the Sermon on the Mount. And you could just imagine those disciples sitting there on the hillside looking out over the lake, listening to Jesus when he says, So, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Well, that's important. Or, What shall we drink? Well, that's important. Or, What shall we wear? I mean, we spend a lot of time and money taking care of what shall we wear. I'm a man who had three women in his house. I know this. I've got a wife and two daughters. And, you know, they would say, I'm going to something, and I have to get an outfit. Okay. And so that's when I just kind of stepped back and said, okay, just let me know when it's time to pay, all right? And they would talk about it, and they would work it. And then don't you think this will look good? Oh, I think it looks so good. And they're so excited about it. You know, we spend a lot of time on that, and it's okay to do that. We're just not supposed to put it first. And he goes on in Matthew, and he says, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Do you really believe that God knows what you need? If anybody does, he does, and he's never late and he's never early. He's always right on time, and he's always so good to give us what we need. And, you know, sometimes we try to take a shortcut, and it's never as good as it would have been if we had just waited on God and done what he wanted to do. So what we need to do is make him a priority. And so we invite him in, the one we call Father, and he knows what we need, and he's willing to intervene and take care of us. And it draws this logical conclusion then in Matthew where it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. When we make God a priority, that's why he teaches us to give him first. We give him his tithe and it's his tithe. It belongs to him. We give it to him first and then we give gifts and offerings because we choose to and then somehow miraculously there's plenty left for us left over for us to live on because we've made that a priority and so we've budgeted and we make sure to take care of that and it's amazing how God 
God helps us to seek him first and foremost and obey his will for our lives. And then we can devote the first few minutes of our day to him. I do that. I pray every morning. If I'm here at the office, I go in my office and I pray. On Thursday, I take all my materials home. On Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I pray at home. There's a special place, and I pray out loud. I hadn't been here long. Steve Irwin had the office next to me, and he came to me one day, and he said, You've been praying in there. I've been hearing you. You know, at first I thought you were talking to somebody or yourself. I mean, I was new here, right? And he said, it dawned on me, you were praying. I said, that's right, I was praying for you. <laughs> Not just you. I mean, I was praying for the whole staff and you, the church. But, but he was one of the ones I was praying for. I didn't just single him out. But that's right, I do that. One time, one of our staff members thought I was talking on the phone, and she opened the door and looked in, and I was praying. And she went, uh, he's really praying in there. I better shut the door and leave him alone. And, and that's what I do. And you know what? When I make God first, and I say, Lord, I've already given you my day. You know what's going to happen today better than I do. You know how to manage my time better than I do. So I'm going to make you a priority. Now, you help me fit what I need to in my to-do list. Because I don't know. Do you know this about me? I have a to-do list every day. Did you know that? I do. You think I'm just happy and cut up all the time, don't you? Nay, nay. You can, you can ask people who know me. I, I'm two per, I really have, have two qualities in my personality. Some might say I'm schizophrenic, and so am I. Um, but really what they are, I'm, I'm sanguine. That means I'm a people person. I love people. I'm energized by people. I love to be around people. That's what you see on Sunday morning. But then I'm also choleric. That means I'm making a list, checking it twice, checking stuff off. And I want to have that done by the end of the day. I'm like a duck. You see me going across the water. I'm just floating. But underneath, I'm paddling as hard as I can go, okay? Well, that's because I have this list. But you know what? I just have to release that list to God and say, God, you know, I didn't get through my list today, but you know what I had to do. You know what was important. I had some divine appointments. I took care of those. You brought them to me. So I'm just going to stop now, and tomorrow we'll get back after it again. And so when I do that, it makes the interruptions of my day. Everything flows smoother when I just make him the, the priority of my life. Now, I love this quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther says this, pray and let God worry. Don't you like that? You may need to write that down. You might want to put it on your refrigerator because that's really a good thing. Lord, I've already given you all my cares today. I've, I've given it to you. There's nothing else I can do about it. I'm just going to do my part and trust you. And Lord, you can take it from here. It'll be fine. When I say yes to God, everything else falls into place. Now, all of us are seeking something. We're all, look at the person next to you and say, you are seeking something. Go ahead and tell them that right now. We're all seeking something, but let me ask you this. What are we seeking first? What's the number one priority in our lives? Well, if you don't know what you're seeking first, I can tell you how to find out. The people who know you best, go to them. The people who spend the most time with you, ask them. The people who live with you, the people who see you all the time, they know what you seek first. And all you have to do is ask them. The things you spend money on, the things you talk about, the things you worry about, all those things, you, you can show what you seek first. Maybe some of you, it's wealth. Maybe it's fame. Or maybe it's a thousand friends on Facebook. Well, that'd just be nirvana, wouldn't it? 
if we could have a thousand friends on Facebook, I mean, I could die a happy man if I had a thousand friends. By the way, I don't have Facebook, but if I did, I'd probably want a thousand friends on there, I guess. Is that important? I don't know, but some people want that, I guess. And so you're going to seek something first, but why not say, God, I want to put you first. I want to seek you first. I want to turn to you first. I'm going to give you the first few minutes. I'm going to give you the first 10%. I'm going to give you the priority in my life so that everything else will fall into place. Because when we prioritize correctly, we have a greater capacity. Everything fits into the jar better. When we give God the first few minutes of our day, we have peace and pacing and a sense of accomplishment. I didn't get everything done, but you know what, Lord? It's okay. We'll get back to it tomorrow. And then in Revelation, Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Now, here's what I want you to see. He never says, here I am. I'm going to kick the door open and come into your jar. He just doesn't force his way into our lives, does he? He just waits and he knocks and he's just waiting on us to open the door and let him in and he'll just keep knocking and he'll just be out there waiting for us to respond. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If you want me to come in, just open the door and I will come in and you can make him first. He said, but seek first, you seek him first and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, what would it look like if we gave God the first few minutes of our day? What would it look like and what would it hurt if we did that? If we all agree that he's the priority and that he determines our capacity, if we all agree that it's in his hands, then, then why don't we do that? Well, that's something to consider. It's something to pray about. It's something to, to look at that we might say, you know what, I want to do that. This past week, we had two members of our church die. We had Risa, Risa Bishbon and Jimmy Kent. Both of them died this week. And, you know, as I think about that, I'm so thankful that I knew them both well. And I'm so thankful for their faith. Because as I was looking at this sermon and I was thinking about them, I thought, well, well that's, this is the best sermon for what I'm going to preach on Sunday is their lives. All you had to do was look at them. And, and the best sermons are the ones that we see alive and living before us daily. And I spent time with him. When Reza first got here, he and his wife came in to talk to me about joining the church. And they sat down in my office, and they told me their testimony, and I got to know them. Jimmy Kent I've known for years. I, I would go in and see him in Publix every morning. I'd go in to get my paper, and finally I, I said, Jimmy, why don't you just go in and get the paper for me and deliver it? Because I'm your pastor. You ought to be doing that for me. Get well. Get out of this bed. Get up. It's all about me, Jimmy. Take care of me, will you? And Jimmy just, well, he couldn't talk because he had one lung collapsed and, and he had pneumonia, but he's listening. He's hearing everything I say because I woke him up because that's what I do when I go in the hospital and somebody's asleep. It's my invitation to just wake him up. And, and I've got a captive audience, so I'm going to preach him a sermon. And I said, Jimmy, I want to take up an offering, but I can't find your pockets in this gown you're wearing in the hospital. And he can't get up and leave. And he's looking at me and he's going, you know, like that. He knows. He knows what I'm talking about. I'm just cutting up with him, you know. I didn't even recognize his son because his son had grown his hair out longer than I had seen him last time. I said, Jimmy, you want me to cut Jimbo's hair for you? And he's going, mm-hmm, you know, I don't know. I almost did it anyway, but, you know, it's really not my place to do that, you know. 
But anyway, we had a great visit together, and I was so thankful that I got to spend time with him and cut up with him like that. And we had a prayer together. Bill went with me, and we had a great time in the hospital. And, you know, he had a picture of Jesus, and, and every night he would take that picture, and he would kiss that picture. And he said, wherever we go, he goes. I'm going with him. And he knew. And when Reza came to see me and his wife, they came to my office, and they told me about their testimony. And they said, we were, we were from Iran. We were living in Dubai. He said, we were Muslim. We, that's all our family knows. And he said, and then the economy, we had a downturn, and I was losing business. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then my wife came to me, and she said, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. And this was their second child. And he was happy for the baby, but he was worried about the money. And he didn't know what to do. And he said that then his wife went to the doctor, and the doctor prescribed some iron and some vitamins and went to the pharmacy, and she got what they prescribed, but they made a mistake at the pharmacy. And they gave this pregnant woman antibiotics. And they said, well, she didn't realize it. She didn't know. And the doctor said, well, the baby might not have teeth, might not have hair, might have a deformed face. And so now Reza was really crying, and he was concerned, and he was in bed at night, and they were asleep, and he was laying there crying. And he was praying. He said, I was just praying to any God who would hear me. And he said, then I, I don't know if it was a vision or a dream, but this man came to me. And he walked toward me, and I felt this jolt of electricity, and my hair kind of stood up. And he said, he put his hand on my forehead, and I just knelt before him. I couldn't look at his face. And he said, here you go, Ania. And he said, that's going to be your daughter. And he said, I never heard this name before. In the Middle East, we don't use this name. I don't know what it is. But I woke my wife up, and I said, Ania. And she said, what? And I said, Ania. She said, what are you talking about? He said, that's going to be our baby's name. And she thought I was crazy, he said, but, but I was so excited. And then the baby was born, and we were so thankful, and the baby was healthy, and everything was fine. And he said, and my wife was curious, where did this name come from? We never heard this name before. Nobody ever used it. And so she looked it up. And when she looked it up, she found out it was a Hebrew name. And it meant grace. And he said, then I knew that Jesus Christ had visited me. And I thought to myself, why, why did Jesus come to me? Why, why a prophet comes to Why not Muhammad? Why not Moses? Jesus Christ comes to me. And he said, when I saw that baby, I knew that he had done that, and I knew that that was Jesus Christ. He said, nobody ever taught me that Jesus died for my sins. Nobody ever explained to me that he sacrificed his life so that we could live. But I learned about Jesus, and I know Jesus. And he said, now Jesus is with me. And he said, Jesus, I feel his presence in my life. And he said, Jesus is always there. He said, Jesus is real. And he said, Jesus will come to you when you need him the most. And so now his wife and his children are all Christians, and they're all involved here at the church. And last Sunday, he was in a ski, a jet ski accident, and he was killed. It was a lake up in Defuniac. They had a lot of family there, and he was riding with his daughter, his older daughter. And he surfaced, but he must have hit his head. We don't know. He didn't have on a life jacket. They saw him surface, but then he went back, and he never came back up. But you know what? When they went to see his body, they, they were amazed at the peace that was on his face. 
I want you to hear me today. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace even in sickness. It's a peace even in death. And when you go to Jesus and make him the number one priority every day, it's just natural that you're going to call on him anytime, and especially when you need him. When I was out of my mind and so sick and they were going to take me to the hospital by ambulance, Laura said that I was in my house and I was yelling, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I don't even remember this stuff. But that's what I was saying. Why? Because I talk to him every day. And I believe in him. And I'm not perfect. And I'm not Holy Joe. I'm just a regular guy. And I make mistakes and I sin and I have to ask forgiveness every day. But I know one thing. Jesus is real. He's real, and you know what? He's alive. And because he's alive, we can be alive too. And we can live with him forever. So I just want to encourage you. Hey, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There's no guarantees. Right now, we've got today. Right this moment, we need to say, Lord, help me make you number one. And then I'm going to trust you and everything else will fall into place. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to save us. We pray in his name and all God's people said,